0: Sisters and brothers, as we prepare to receive God's word, let us join together seeking God's illuminating grace. Let us pray. Open wide the windows of our spirits, O Lord, and fill us full of light. Open wide the doors of our hearts that we may receive and entertain you with all of our powers of adoration and love. Amen. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Gospel of John in the 20th chapter. We're reading verses 19 through 31.
1: The first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him,
0: We we have have seen seen the Lord.
1: But he said to them,
0: Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe.
1: A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have a life in his name.
0: The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. As the first Easter began, a dark, dark gloom covered the followers of Jesus. Jesus is dead. His body had been taken down from the cross, wrapped in a linen cloth, buried in a garden tomb, a large stone sealing his body inside. And while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene makes her way to the tomb on the first day of the week. But to her horror, she discovers that the large stone that had covered the entrance of Jesus' tomb has been rolled away. And the tomb is empty. Mary Magdalene runs to tell Peter and John and they run to investigate and they find it just as Mary has said. And soon they return to hiding while Mary waits outside or weeps outside Jesus' tomb. The first Easter doesn't begin in anticipation of a resurrection and a celebration. The first Easter for Jesus' followers begins in doom and gloom and fear and despair. But soon Mary runs into the resurrection and she's off to tell the others that Jesus is alive. In Easter, we discover the incredible contrast between the the obscene, horrible obscenity of the crucifixion and the Glory and hope of the resurrection. This hope will be our focus for the weeks of our series, Hope is Alive. Because you see, Easter hope cannot be shut in the grave. Hope is alive. You can't shut it in. It's going to get out because something tremendous and unforeseen and unprecedented and glorious has happened in Jesus' resurrection. There is victory over sin and death as God is unwilling to let the consequences of our sin and separation and death have the last word. God loves you. God loves you too much for that. But to fully appreciate the magnitude of the Easter message of hope, we must understand that the first Easter was born in total darkness. A great contradiction that gives Easter such power and hope for our lives. Today's scripture lesson begins on the evening of the first Easter. The disciples are still in hiding. The doors in the windows of the house where they are staying are locked for fear of the Jews. Their fear, a strange reaction to Mary's announcement that Jesus is alive. But suddenly, miraculously, Jesus appears among them and he proclaims, peace be with you. The disciples turn in fear to see who has suddenly broken through their defenses, but their fear turns into jubilation as they see Jesus and he shows them his hands and his side. It must have been an unbelievably tumultuous and euphoric event. One moment, the followers of Jesus are reeling in fear, and the next, a jubilant celebration. In an instant, Jesus' appearance has turned the followers' mood from terror to joy and hope. And Jesus commissions them to continue the mission that he has begun, to transform the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus proclaims, peace be with you, and as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. But there's a problem. Yeah, a problem. One of the disciples, Thomas, is not with the others. Three times, Thomas appears prominently in John's Gospel. First, in the the 11th chapter, a courageous Thomas urges his fellow disciples to return to Judea with Jesus in spite of the great danger that would await them and Jesus there. Let us also go, Thomas says, that we may die with him. The second instance takes us to Thursday of Holy Week as Jesus gathers his disciples in an upper room for a final meal before his arrest and crucifixion. After washing his disciples' feet, Jesus teaches, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to repair a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. The disciples are nodding like bobbleheads, but they don't understand what Jesus means. And Thomas speaks up, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus replies, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Without Thomas's confession of confusion, we would not have one of the most profound sayings of Jesus that is cherished by so many. The third time that John highlights Thomas is in today's lesson. But why isn't Thomas with the others? We don't know. But we do know that when Thomas returns later that night, the other disciples jubilantly tell him about the visit of Jesus. They gather around Thomas and they try to convince him that Jesus, yes, is alive, just as Mary Magdalene had reported. They plead with him. They want to believe for him. Perhaps in the same way that you have wanted to believe for others. But no matter what they say, Thomas will not believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Thomas vows, I will not believe Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side. I find it rather remarkable that Thomas doesn't just say, unless I see Jesus with my own eyes, I won't believe. But instead, he insists, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. No evidence exists in Scripture that the other disciples tell Thomas that they have seen the marks of Jesus' wounds in his resurrected body. Yet Thomas, who says he does not yet even believe in the resurrection, intimates that he would believe. He would believe if he could see and touch the marks of Jesus' passion. For Thomas, the real Jesus, the one who was crucified, died, buried, and who allegedly has risen from the grave, must have the marks of his passion on his hands and in his side. But why Is this so important to Thomas? And should this be important to us as well? Certainly, if Jesus had been raised from the dead, he could have been raised without the marks of the nails in his hands and the mark of the spear in his side. But through Thomas, we discover I believe, a a deeper mystery and a blessing about the wounds and the pain and the hurt that Jesus has not only experienced, but over which he has triumphed. Thomas unknowingly points us to see more clearly a deeper hope that we have through the way and the truth and the life. The hope that God desires to bring alive in us through Jesus is a hope that is alive because the suffering servant has overcome the world. Thomas seems to perceive and discern this truth even as he says he does not yet believe it. And this is vitally important for us to see also if we're going to see the fullness of the hope and power of the resurrection and understand the depth of its meaning for our lives. Jesus' resurrection does not erase the hurts and the pain and the suffering that Jesus endured. The pain and the suffering are real and not to be forgotten. Likewise, salvation is not pretending that suffering is not there or or never occurred or has been erased. Instead, through Jesus Christ, these things, injury, pain, suffering, can be redeemed and transformed even if they're never to be forgotten. This is also true for our hurts, our pain, our suffering that happened to us in this world. In profound ways, these experiences are, and and not just the experiences, but our memory of them, make us who we are. While we might go through extended periods of challenge and pain and suffering, that can leave us deeply wounded, ultimately in Jesus Christ, these things even as difficult as they are and have been and can be, can be redeemed in us also. Yes, our pain and injury can be transformed by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've experienced this yourself, or you know someone who has. In instances where people have been deeply wounded but redeemed, even though wounds and scars, physical and psychological, may remain and even be visible, deep transformation can occur through the grace of God. Our pain can be transformed to something else. And these scars, though not forgotten, can even become a point of connection and even blessing to others. Through Christ's transforming grace, the pain that we experience can be turned into such things as hope and wisdom and compassion and empathy and a desire to work for justice and much more. Thomas seems to understand that the real Jesus, the crucified one, who was raised from the grave, would still have the signs of his passion on his resurrected body. Because they reveal both the pain of his ordeal, but the transformation that has occurred that brings us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the death and the grave. in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There are many reasons why our scripture lesson today is is one of my favorites. But one of those reasons is about what this lesson says about the calling of the church. While it was possible that one or more of the disciples was extremely disappointed that Thomas Refuse to believe. There's no evidence that Peter or any other disciple stands up and and tells Thomas that unless he believes what they all believe, he's got to leave the fellowship. It's good for us to see the emphasis that the early church placed upon its unity and the church as a place of transformation and connection of, of Christ to the world. The blessedness of this unity is revealed a week later when Jesus returns to his disciples once again. And this time, all of the disciples are there, including Thomas. And although the doors are shut, Jesus in his resurrected body is not impeded by such things like locked doors or, or windows. And he stands among them once again and he says, peace be with you. Jesus' love for all of them, including Thomas, is so very evident even as he tells Thomas, put your finger here and and see my hands and reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. But how does Jesus know that Thomas had wanted to see and touch the marks of the nails in his hands and the mark of the spear in his side. Jesus wasn't there for for that conversation, was he? This too is, is one of the joyous mysteries and blessings of our resurrected Lord. Now, all of the rejections and And resistance in Thomas just evaporate. And he responds with one of the great professions of faith found anywhere in Scripture. In surprise and tears of, of repentance, relief and worship, Thomas exclaims, My Lord, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to Thomas, but it applies to all of the disciples that were gathered there. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Today, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can know Jesus, even if we may not see him in the flesh. We can know and see the risen Christ as he truly is, we must look for the hope in the healing, in the transformation that Jesus wants to bring to you and to me and to the world. And then only then, only then will we be seeing hope. Amen.